Welcome to the inaugural episode of the University Application Guide podcast. Uh, this is your host, Ryan Eller, the owner and operator of universityapplicationguide.com, uh, which is a free and always will be free resource for students to use uh, in terms of helping them to identify their overall college goals, how to get into good universities, and ultimately succeed as a student. Uh, on this first episode, we explore the topic of if hiring a college admissions consultant is worth the overall time and trouble um, that really, and the investment, quite frankly, that it entails in terms of hiring somebody to help you with your applications. Uh, I used to work as a college admissions consultant, so I try to share my background, and while I no longer work in that field nor provide those types of services, naturally students are always looking for them. And so I want to provide a little bit of background and feedback on what that experience is like, and hopefully uh, you'll find that episode to be useful in terms of determining if well, that is right and i'm the owner and operator of universityapplicationsguide.com a blog slash website that aims to provide a daily or bi-daily uh, experience for students to learn more about how to apply to universities how to be successful as a university student and really how to reach their academic dreams and that website really spawned out of a career in the college admissions consulting world that I previously had for quite some time. And in recent days, I think we've seen that the college admissions world is maybe not as squeaky, squeaky clean as we like to think it is. Not that I think that most people didn't realize that there was some gaming of the system that goes on, um, but I think it opened the world up to a better understanding that there are such things as college admissions consultants and what those people actually do. Now, obviously, the gentlemen and the folks who were caught up in that scheme uh, are, I, to me, they're not a fair representation of what most consultants do in their job or what most students and families are hoping to purchase in terms of a return on investment in terms of hiring a college admissions consultant. But I think there's a pretty fair question to ask, and it actually spawned, interestingly enough, for my mother-in-law. She kind of asked me, you know, how legit of a field is that? And that's a tough question to answer when we really think about it, because in a lot of ways, it's kind of a Wild West situation where you have people who operate one way, you have a lot of companies that operate in a completely different way, and how ethical those operations are varies greatly between companies, people working for said company, so on and so forth. So I wanted to share a little bit about my background in the, that world, just for you, the potential student or the potential parent of a student who's thinking of hiring somebody like that. On my site, all of the information that I'm creating is free and I'm not trying to sell a service. So really I think this is an opportunity to get an unbiased opinion from somebody who's worked in that field. I mean, there's some bias, obviously I've worked in that field, so I'm gonna have some expectations of it, but by and large, I'm not trying to sell you a service, whereas a lot of times when you look at the YouTube videos about college admissions consultants, they're usually a college admissions, admissions consultant trying to sell you in a, a consulting service. That's not gonna be the case in this video. It's just my thoughts on kind of where this field is and where it's going, at least in my opinion. So first and foremost, just to give you a slight background of kind of who I am and, and why would even talk about this topic, um, I am, I hold a doctorate of education from Fresno State in educational leadership. Um, my focus is actually on first year students and the motivation behind first year students, how we can better motivate them uh, to be successful as the first year college student. 
So for me, that transition from high school to college is something that's critically important. There's tons of literature to support that students that have a high self-efficacy are more likely to succeed. And that self-efficacy is developed in their college, or excuse me, in their high school days coming into college. Um, prior to finishing my doctorate though, I did work as a private admissions consultant. Um, I really shouldn't say private in my title. I was just an admissions consultant for a private admissions consulting firm. And I did that for three years, a little bit more than three years, and did that uh, for about four application cycles. So I got to see what it was really like in terms of trying to help students get into some of these top universities uh, and was overall pretty successful at it and, and didn't really have any qualms with the company that I worked for because I felt like the company that I worked for was relatively above board in terms of the way that most of the consultants worked with students. And then lastly, something that I think is beneficial in terms of once again trying to provide a more well-rounded opinion on this topic is that since those times as working as a consultant, I've now been working in the field of higher education, uh, both in a, a more recruitment-centered student services role, uh, and also as a lecturer at a California State University for the past nearly five years now. So really the benefit I think you get out of the opinion that I'm sharing is that you get somebody who's really been on both sides. I've been the guy who's working directly with students, helping them to get into said colleges, and now I'm on the, the other side of the pond, if you will, and, and get to really work with students in higher education on a daily basis. So I kind of have that inside track, if you will. Now, obviously the California State Universities weren't necessarily the schools that these students would come and sign a consulting contract for, but still it does tend to give you at least a, a better understanding of how higher, higher education actually works uh, once you work within the field of higher education. Okay, so in terms of what consulting is actually like for the student, it's going to be different, obviously, depending on where, or excuse me, what that consulting company really kind of does, right? There are going to be some consulting companies that are only going to work on essays with students. And that's when they're applying to colleges, they're you know, now a senior in high school, and they've selected their schools, usually doing that with the consultant present. They'll kind of draft up a list of schools that are agreed upon between the consulting firm and the student. The student will then sign a contract, and bam, they go off and they start working on those essays. But most firms now are doing a mixture of the four items I've kind of put on the slide. Generally speaking, before the application season starts, and this could be years before the application starts. I mean, you could have, I had students as young as eighth graders where I was working on their um, kind of their academic course scheduling, much like their school counselor would be doing, their extracurricular planning, general kind of academic and personal development topics. So these check-in meetings could start as soon as eighth grade at the company that I used to work at. And that's not all that rare, okay? Uh, it, it obviously depends on the clientele that would be you know, purchasing your service, but there are certain clientele bases where realistically they're looking to purchase years of mentorship from a company in the hopes that that mentorship will land their student admission into a very highly competitive school. Of course, naturally, Essay, essay editing becomes a big piece of that and the support behind that essay editing is a large piece of the puzzle because it's not just, once again, if we go back to kind of that previous point, it's not just about applying to colleges, but it's also, well, if I want to get into a great school, I have to do these great extracurriculars and some of these great extracurriculars, for example, 
going to UC Cosmos during the summer, a, a relatively famous um, summer program where you can learn, you know, different items in the STEM field, and it looks great on a college application. Those require essays, and it's almost a mini kind of college application. And so they're also kind of purchasing that in that overall contract that they're purchasing from the company. And naturally that builds into extracurricular guidance and just general application support, depending on the age of the student, obviously this changes drastically, right? So, you know, because of that, you're working with students at, at a wide range of age groups. Uh, and certainly when it comes to the client, you're, you're trying to pick, there's a lot of times, let me put it this way, there's a lot of times where a student would come in with their parent when a student was in eighth grade and the parent would kind of feel like, okay, well, this is maybe too soon. So you'd see them that next year, they'd come right back in again at ninth grade. And then they would might have the conversation about, okay, well, we need to purchase a three-year kind of consulting package where, you know, this consultant's working with my son or daughter for quite some time so that they can build up some camaraderie and understanding of one another so that when they're getting ready to write the essay uh, or essays for their college applications, the consultant really knows the student. Um, totally, there's some efficacy behind that, right? That makes total sense. The more I know the student, the better we can pull out some stories to make some better essays, right? Nothing is really problematic about that. Where the problem arises, and it's not, I guess, necessarily a problem, but what arises is that the longer the student is there, the longer that student can be milked for from for money. And what I mean by that is what happens a lot is that you would sign, these students would sign a contract, right? And this contract, let's say they signed a contract when they were in eighth grade, for example. That contract where I worked could be in the thousands of dollars and usually was in the thousands of dollars. And I don't want to give away necessarily, you know, the actual size of those contracts because I, I don't think that's really fair of me to do, but they weren't cheap. And, you know, those contracts generally came with a set amount of time that students would get additional support outside of me, the consultant. They would usually also come with a certain amount of tutoring hours, uh, whether those be one-to-one -one tutoring sessions, Many of the uh, centers that I worked for, because uh, it was basically a chain of these consulting and tutoring centers, they would have literal classes that mirrored the high school class that the student was taking. So let's say, and this was mainly for STEM topics, so let's say science or math, they, could, they would take their science, you know, let's just say they're taking uh, AP Bio at their local high school. They would then come into this consulting firm and retake, be taking AP Bio basically again in the evening uh, at this private learning center that has all of the consultants and tutors in-house. So you get kind of this complete package. Also at the same time, they would usually be purchasing some ACT, SAT tutoring or boot camps where they come in for weeks during the summer and just be drilled with ACT and SAT um, development and learning. Once again, nothing inherently wrong about this business model or just the overall practice of purchasing it as a student. But when I alluded to students kind of being milked and their family being milked for money, it was because once they ran out of tutoring hours, a lot of times one of the things a consultant would be doing would be upselling these additional tutoring hours and additional tutoring services. 
you know, because you would ask the student during the meeting, okay, well, tell me about how you're doing in school. And they would list off all their grades, or sometimes they would give you the login information for their school site so that you could go in and you could see their, their course grades. And then that way, when you were in the meeting, you could say, oh, well, you know, Johnny, your, your A is in jeopardy in math. Uh, we should really get you set up with a math tutor. And these tutoring hours could be upwards of $100 plus an hour, right? So it was a really easy way for the company to make an additional bit of money uh, off of something that, you know, a lot of this is, is also built around anxiety and fear. So, you know, the student may be anxious about what their parents think about them. And the parents also might be anxious about the uh, potential success the student would have. And that if they don't get into some top 100 university, then, you know, Johnny's life is over. Of course, you know, most of us know that's, that's relatively ridiculous. But, you know, for this clientele, that's not really an option. Getting into these top 100 universities and really more like top 50 or top 20 universities are, is all that is acceptable and anything less is a huge failure. So really a lot of this, the selling of these products and services a lot of times was based at, around the fear of the student and the family. And that's when you start to think about this kind of like if it's a, you know, you're weighing your options of the good and the bad of these services. The good is that the student is getting a lot of additional support and development that many times their public high school can't provide them. Because a lot of times these students were from um, public schools. But realistically, at the same time, the families are also kind of being not even gently, but sometimes forcefully pushed into buying additional services from these learning centers um, that ultimately are trying to sell them, you know, SAT and ACT boot camps, boot camps for subject tests, uh, additional tutoring hours for AP tests or IB tests. If you can think of something that required, that's a part of the college application, that's, or for example, another thing that was very common was let's say you agreed upon 10 schools, was that was part of the contract, 10 applications. Well, there was always a push, well, now that you've done the 10th with insert student here, recommend to the parent and the student, let's do another four or five to be safe. You've done all the application materials, but let's tailor them again for another four to five schools. And it, it wouldn't really be difficult to do that, to sell that to parents. Now, luckily, you know, that's not really the consultant's job. It was somewhat of the consultant's job to recommend that. And then ultimately the, the center manager or some other sales type person for the company would try to get them in. Once again, nothing necessarily inherently wrong, but it's like going to the car dealership and being sold the, the expensive floor mats. You don't necessarily need it at that point because you've already done enough that you should be okay. You know, like your car should drive off the lot fine. If you applied to 10 schools, you're probably going to get into at least a few of them. It's kind of a similar issue there. Okay. So naturally, I kind of jumped into this slide a little sooner than I would have wanted to. But as you can see, and not to reiterate, obviously the cost here was usually in the thousands of dollars once the student was done from start to finish. And there would be times also where, you know, realistically the parent there would be a level sometimes of miscommunication between the student and the parent. And so the parent may have bought, you know, I'll just make up a number, let's say a couple hundred hours of tutoring hours and the student didn't know that and never really used them. And so that wouldn't be refunded to them. That would just be money lost, you know? 
Um, a couple hundred hours is probably a high estimate, but you get my point. You know, you, let's say you bought 40 or 50 hours of tutoring hours and you never used them. You know, you're out four or $5,000 of money that you're never going to see again because it's right in your contract that basically say, look, these tutoring hours are non-refundable. Uh, many times the students would also be somewhat limited in the schools they could select. You could walk in and say, I want to apply to Princeton, Yale, Harvard, and you know, Stanford, and every uh, one of the top 10 schools. You could do that, but A, probably your contract would be more expensive, and it would probably also have a kicker in there that basically, look, we're not guaranteeing anything out of this other than you're gonna just apply to these 10 schools, and that's the service we're gonna provide you. We're not gonna guarantee anything else, you know, because there are some firms, um, and I can't speak necessarily to the firm that I used to work for, but there are many firms that even have a certain level of guaranteed admission. So you select a certain amount of schools, uh, a certain set of schools, and because they're guaranteeing you're gonna get admitted to either a certain amount of schools or to a certain school, they will charge you an insane contract. You know, I've heard contracts from some firms, both here in the States and overseas, being literally in the million range. I'm not kidding, you know, people being charged a million dollars at once their students, a ninth grader signs up with a consulting firm that I want to be, I want the student to get into Prince. I want my son or daughter to get into Princeton insert major here needs to happen. Right. And if that happens, you know, I'll pay you this crazy sum of money. Well, they would pay up front to some of these consulting firms. Uh, for our bigger contracts, when they were larger contracts, not necessarily guaranteed contracts, but when they were larger contracts, they would be paid in advance. And my assumption, I don't know, but my assumption is that, you know, then the company could put that into maybe a high interest CD or something like that and be able to, to make some money off of that, even if they couldn't meet the guarantee of the contract in terms of getting the student in. Um, so that would be, you know, a very common practice and probably is still a very common practice in most college consulting firms nowadays. And so naturally, when you think about all of this, including the contracts, these contracts aren't really there to protect the student or the family. They're just to keep basically liability off the company. And they were always worded in very distinct ways to make it very clear that the company basically is just there to support the student, which I think is relatively fair, right? Because what if the student just doesn't do what we ask them to do or doesn't, isn't open to the feedback that I would necessarily provide a student for their essay? you know, then in that case, should the company really be held for held liable for that? Probably not, right? But they were always very carefully worded contracts so that there was very little liability on the company's end and that it was basically just a service being provided to students. I think that's relatively fair. I see no real issue with that, um, but that's something to keep in mind. There was very rarely a, even if let's say a student, I hadn't run into this circumstance for me personally when I was working in this field, but let's say if the student, you know, applied to 10 schools and didn't get into any of them, Generally, the company would try to work with them in some way uh, to get into some type of schools that had a longer admissions window period of time so that they could get into some type of university. And you know, maybe in some cases also, I'd heard that if a student really kind of underperformed based on their profile at the time, then sometimes what we would also do is provide them a free opportunity to use our services to transfer from the school that they got admitted to so that they could go to a better school. That wasn't unheard of, and I'm sure there are other companies that did it the same way. But, you know, I thought it was interesting when I was looking around at this, some of the 
you know, firms, what they're charging is just crazy. And so you look at some of what they're doing and some of these folks are charging, you know, I think I'm on the wrong page here, but here it is right here where you can see where the average contract, let me kind of pull this up so you can see where I'm reading here, but yeah, here we go. This thing right here. Sorry guys, I'm still learning the tools of Zoom a little bit here. But if you look at this paragraph right here, basically the average hourly rate for a college consultant, for a private college consultant, is somewhere in the neighborhood of $250. I was reading an article not that long ago um, where the gentleman who runs his own college consulting firm charges $1,000 an hour. Okay, so this rate is very variable here in terms of what's actually being charged. Uh, so it's super expensive. And then you can see there's also a lot of times when people are trying to do a package fee where they're either selling you an amount of schools or they're selling you an amount of hours. You see an average being three to $6,000, you know, maybe more in the neighborhood $4,620. You know, to be honest with you, at the place that I worked at, the contracts were usually more expensive, but I was also in an area of California where there was a lot of money. And so it didn't really phase a lot of the customers. So I think the price of the service rise to the customer's uh, level of wealth, more so than even the level of service. Uh, not that our company didn't do a good job, I think many of the consultants that I worked with were very good. Um, but something that actually didn't come up in the, the presentation file that I have that I think is really, really important, many times you don't know all that well the level of expertise of the consultant that you're working with, right? So when the firm that I worked for had a very intensive training process, basically two to three months, you were drilled, you would take tests on, you know, which university was at what place based on that current year's U.S. News and World Report rankings. Um, you needed to know, like, every, like you know, uh, different combinations of GPA and SAT and ACT scores and what that would, you know, what you would recommend schools for based on that and, and other test scores and other factors, of course. But, you know, yeah, including like fake extracurricular profiles. So you would have fake case study students that you would use and try to, you know, recommend different schools for them and essay topics and all that. And it was good training. But at the end of the day, you know, I think anybody who's been an admissions consultant or anybody who's had a family member who's used an admissions consultant, the best admissions consultant is somebody who's been around for five plus years because they've seen the changes in application essay topics. They've seen changes in application um, systems in and of themselves, like the actual applications themselves. And they've been able to see the change in terms of the rise or decline in different factors such as GPA, test scores, and extracurriculars, and how those are impacting certain schools' admissibility, how impaction is impacting certain universities. The list of topics is pretty endless, right? But many times what you found, at least the company that I was working for, when I was hired there, it was a time of great growth for the company. And so what they were doing was they were hiring people who were really fresh. So when I was hired, I had never done any college admissions consulting whatsoever. And when I applied to college, I applied to two schools and they were both CSUs, which in other words, if anybody kind of knows what the CSU application was like 10 years ago, there were no essays on the college application. You just submitted your transcripts, your course grades, your test scores, your demographic information, submitted on what used to be called CSU Mentor, would submit it and bing, bing, boom, you were done. And that was it. And so I had no even experience applying 
to some of these places, I didn't even know what the common application was. I didn't know what the UC application was like. All of these things that were like real general basics of the job, I had no idea about when I was hired. And that was true of a lot of people that were hired at that company who were fresh graduates. Now, to be fair, many of them were also fresh graduates from really great schools. Um, I was a fresh graduate from CSU and I had also had a master's degree and had worked in a private tutoring center. So that experience helped me and I think it made me ultimately successful at the job, but I had to learn really on the fly and I took clients like probably week three of working, like literally the day after my training was done and I was in the, my home center because we were kind of located at a few centers, not every center in the company, there was just too many at the time. I the day one that I was there for my first full day I was already given like five students and I had to do this kind of for lack of a better term I'll kind of show it here um, let me go ahead and see if I can do a share here as let me stop sharing for a second and then I'll reshare here with a whiteboard I had to basically do kind of like a I hate to say like a dog and pony show but kind of a dog and pony show where I would you know, write the student, and sorry, this is like really hard for me to write, you know, student name, and then I would do like, okay, GPA, their test score, and then on the right side, I would do like school one, school two, school three, and this is the major, you know, that I would select for each of these schools, yada, 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 and I had to do this big thing where, based on your profile here on the left, I think these, and it wouldn't be three schools, it would be more. I think these you know, schools would be best, and I really would recommend this major for you to be most competitive for admission. What do you think? And that would go on you know, for maybe 15 minutes. We'd have a little bit of a back and forth. And luckily it was kind of successful getting people excited, for lack of a better term, um, you know, to, to work with me, but you know, it wasn't rare for these students to not only get a very fresh consultant, but for them to change consultants multiple times, especially if they had a longer contract. If you had a contract that was four or five years long, some of these students would end up working with five, six, seven plus consultants by the time that they ultimately graduated or would ultimately leave the company before they ever got to the college application stage because they were just so sick of changing consultants. So it was really a, a very strange, um, really kind of a strange time. Let me stop sharing it. I'm going to go back to my little PowerPoint thing here. But um, yeah, it's just, it, it's a strange thing. I think in some worlds that what you, you kind of get is good. It's kind of not always great, but you know, there's, there's a lot that students got out of it. So I, I feel, I feel like I've been primarily negative, which I don't want to be. I, I want to be honest to both sides, I suppose. But there's another factor in all of this that I think gives this a bad name. And it's something that you will figure out if you're already working with a consultant or you're going to work with a consultant is because a lot of these consulting firms operate in their own form or fashion. Um, there's like, you know, there's not a lot of oversight here. Yes, some of these places, and my place included, and this is where I give them a huge pat on the back, they did get WASC accreditation, which is a you know regional accrediting body for schools, supplemental education centers, and, and higher education here in the, on the West Coast. They did get WASC accreditation as a supplemental education firm, which give, gave them 
you know, they had to be approved by a outside accrediting body, which I think to me really gave a leg up as a place you could trust. And I really do the place that I worked, you could trust that you were getting a quality service and you weren't just getting somebody who's just doing the application for you because you know, kind of like it says on the slide, there are a lot of firms, and this is especially true internationally, and I hate to pick on a certain country, but this is certainly true in China. Some of these firms, you're basically, there are no rules to play by, and they're just doing the application for you. And that's very true of a lot of private admissions consultants. They'll do a, a Google search on buying college admissions essays. You can do a lot of things very unethically when it comes to these college applications. I myself didn't, I can say that, for the company that I worked for, I didn't hear anybody just straight out doing the applications for students. It was really a, a really a formative process for the student where you really sat down and you talked with them and developed an understanding with them and developed not only an understanding with them, but an understanding of them to really help them tailor their application, their major selection, their school selection in a way that made sense. But I think when we, we think of all of this as a collective whole, you kind of have to think back for a second to how much could, for example, how much can a student or how much can a consultant know about all of these universities? For example, on this U.S. News and World Reports, obviously there's a lot more than 300 universities worldwide, but there's 312 universities on this national list. There's no way any consultant is going to know everything about Princeton, Harvard, Columbia, so on and so forth down the screen. I know everything about all those places. So you're, you're taking them at their word that they're an expert in all of these things. So if you're going to work with a consultant, there's a few tips I would give you. One, I do think the benefit of, for example, working with a company such as the company that I worked for at the time, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the benefit of that is that you have another consultant on the back end if that person isn't working out, okay? I do think you should probably look for an established company. Secondly, you should look for a company that's been around for a long time. What do they actually know about the admissions consulting world, okay? And thirdly, look for what the true cost is going to be of this firm. Are they, is it an all-in-one package where they're really giving you tutoring, advising, essay consulting, extracurricular preparation, so on and so forth? Or are they going to try to charge you for a bunch of different things. You kind of need to know what that's going to be like because this can be a great thing and you can get a lot out of it both as the student and the parent or it can be a huge money sink and a, and a waste of time. So you have to think about what that value is. So I hope that was helpful to you as a student um, and hope, hopefully if you do decide to take a consulting firm in the future, you have a little bit of a better understanding of what that world is like. So I wish you all the best and uh, Take care.